The Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now are presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by SGPN Fantasy. Dominate your draft with the free SGPN Draft Kit. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft kit. And the free roll football contest is back and better than ever. $5,000 up for grabs in our NFL contest and $1,500 in our brand new college football contest. Sign up exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, and joining me is my co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to break down the fourth round of the U.S. Open on the men's side. First of all, though, I haven't seen Sam in a while because he was not able to make it for my third round podcast. Sam, how's it going with you? How is your third round, and how's your overall weekend going? Listen, I, I, I got to say one thing, and, you know, I'm... I don't like to brag too much when I win and I'm also going to be humble in my losses and I keep it straightforward. And I don't think I've ever been more wrong than what I said on the first podcast when we talked about us open. Not when we're talking about the actual bracket as a whole, but I, mean, I we like the, the quarter plays play. and whatever. Yeah. yeah. We like the Tootsie pass play gone. He, first round brutal. Absolutely brutal loss. Um, and then I mentioned uh, the over um, in the in a first round play also lost. And then my lock also lost. So that was a brutal start to the tournament. But as we move on here and getting seeing the picture um, getting put together really towards the end of this tournament, uh, so, some things are still alive and some things are still going my way. So uh, it should be interesting to see how the last part plays out. And I like to see how... Um, I like to see now that the bracket is filled out even more that we could get really get into um, what, who we think can win, who we think can win the quarters and what a, the matchups are going to be in the quarterfinals, semifinals and finals. So hopefully moving forward, uh, we're going to have some winners here and we, we should. So, yeah, well, first of all, I gave my Sitsi pass rant in the last podcast. Do you want to do the honors? Cause you also like them to potentially win the tournament. Yeah, I like them to win the quarter. I, I, I we threw out he a, said Medvedev. Yeah. If you play, it, we, we threw it out at like 14 to 1, whatever. But the point is, I gave a rant yeah. on it. Since you actually thought it was decent value, whatever, I'll give you an equal opportunity to rant about Pass if you want. The guy is unfortunately so volatile that it's just upsetting. I mean, you see him beat a guy like Medvedev um, in the prior round and prior tournament in Cincinnati. And then see him come out in the U.S. Open and lose the first set 6-0, second set 6-1 to Galan. It's just, there's only one way I describe him. And I just, I don't want to put it out there that the name I call him, but it's just so volatile. because, And it's just, it's upsetting to see because he's up there and definitely in top 10 rankings. Um, he's ranked number five right now. And to lose in the first round of the U.S. Open, you have to have an injury. You have to have a significant problem. You can't just lose to Galan like that. And he does not have an injury. Even though Galan did play very well, it was just, it's tough to see that happen to someone like that. And Golan has never been known for being a hardcore guy. He's always been a clay court specialist. Mm-hmm. He, has some ta- he has some talent on hardcore, though, because he did win another round. I know he took a set off Fakina and lost in four yesterday. But either way, the point is, you look at Pass. I already gave my rant, but there's really no excuse in that situation to get blown out that badly in the first two sets. It's one thing if he faced off against team in the first round, some unranked guy because of injury or whatever reason who has had success on hard courts, but you lose 12 of the first 13 games to a clay court specialist. We got to talk or something because there's a problem. 
Yeah, it's a big problem. And you discussed. I don't think. I don't think it ha- happened. You you talked to me about um, that. You thought that there could have been some fixing. No, I'm not accusing I, 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 him at I re-watched, all. I rewatched the highlights. I, I thought initially it looked a little off, but when you rewatched it, you realized that Golan was absolutely just cooking. So right. anytime yeah. you're a gambler, your mind kind of goes one way because it's a top five player in the world, and he's getting his ass kicked by a guy that's ranked barely in the top 100. But I rewatched it. It looked like Sitsi Pass was just playing like garbage, and Galan was having the f- best two sets of his entire career on hard court. So right. I, I, I reevaluated. Right. Yeah. No, there's no accusations here. My point really comes down to that you actually thought that there could be, like, that your mindset that what that there could be fixing is how bad he played yeah, in that match. And that's really the point I break down. And also he comes into this tournament and doubles with his brother. I don't know. It could be his brother, his cousin. I don't, I don't know who it is and losing in the first round. Also, uh, it was just not his tournaments. Yeah. Let's just say that definitely not good. I believe they lost to who is it? Shelton and Eubanks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yes, uh, I remember that because I saw the city passes together and the other one looks nothing like Stefanos. And I thought it was hilarious. He's like five inches shorter. He's like bald. They look nothing alike. It's actually kind of funny if you see them standing next to each other. But either way, city pass had probably the worst tournament possible. And I gave my rant about him. I did a segue last podcast briefly. I kind of want your thoughts on it. I changed my stance on who's the most overrated player on tour. I put Felix above Tsitsipas in the rankings. And the main reason why is because I feel like everybody has now turned on Tsitsipas. And he's like a common, most hated guy. And people have kind of figured him out as being this Grand Slam choker. And Felix has just quietly gotten his ass kicked in a lot of these Grand Slam events, and nobody's talking about it. So I personally put Felix above him on my overrated player hierarchy. Do you think I'm on to something? You think it's still Sitsi Paz? Uh, I can understand that base, but it's uh, my basis would be on Felix not being able to put up um, those performances that Sitsi Paz has done in the past and uh, the rounds that Sitsi Paz has gotten to compare to Felix in Grand Slams. So I could definitely understand that, and especially because they always we've had Felix in the top ten for I don't know like almost a whole year now. So it's, I I completely understand where you're coming from. You still have Alcaraz as number one though. Uh, No, Alcaraz is not number one. I never had Alcaraz. I never thought was truly number one because he's still very talented. It just really frustrated me that he was constantly being compared to Nadal. I just thought that alone was an insane start to his career. He just enters the tour. Oh, fast guy from Spain. You're off on Nadal. It's like, no, he's not Nadal. Like, just stop doing it. But no, I think Alcaraz is probably top five in terms of being overrated. He's still a great player. Like, I don't think the disparity between his current level and the actual talent that people see that makes people believe he can be transcendent is that far apart. I just think he still needs a little bit more experience before he kind of taps into some of that potential. And I think people are a little bit too early and they're jumping on board too quickly, expecting him to win basically every Grand Slam immediately. So I think he's a little overrated from that perspective. But at least Alcaraz has put up some results. He actually beat Tsitsipas last year in the U.S. Open, so I kind of have to have Tsitsipas above him in terms of being overrated. But now Alcaraz has been good in this tournament, hasn't dropped uh, anything substantial, hasn't dropped a set, I believe. He's kind of dominated, kicked Brooksby's ass yesterday, which was impressive. Mm -hmm. But now I have Alcaraz somewhere in the top five, uh, probably three, with one being Felix, two being Sitsipas. I gotcha. But, I, I can understand that. But it's based on public perception now, because I feel like most people realize after this loss, a uh, Sitsipas is just a clown. I feel like that's kind of <laughs> just the public perception at this point. So I don't know if he does. He still count as being overrated. That was my, that was the word I didn't want to put out there. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the volatility is just astronomical i mean losing in the first round the u.s open is inexcusable as a top five player he's ranked number five now so it's 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 inexcusable you know auger at least was able to win a couple rounds uh before he lost so it's 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 just it's a couple or one there 
Uh, let's. Who did who did Auger lose to? Draper killed him in three sets. I, I thought that was the second round. The, it, okay, so he's able to get one round bigger, longer than yeah. Tsitsipas. It's just the fact that he's in the top five, Tsitsipas, and that he's made it far in these Grand Slams, but then loses in the first round. It, and he's not forty years old. It's just it's it's not good. Yeah, but I do want to pivot a little bit since we are talking about some of the players that disappointed that did open up a lot of potential long shots in quarters. I know we took flyers on a couple. I know you were a little bit more into one of them than I was. You mentioned or flirted with the idea of Diego Schwartzman at 33 to one. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't totally sold on that because from what I've seen, it looks like he's a little bit past his prime. He's still pretty solid, but you can tell he's not as consistent as he used to be. And I know you had a personal play on him against Tiafo today over three and a half sets, and he absolutely tortured the crap out of you in that first set, which was just an absolute joke and a half. But I know we also had Tommy Paul at 33 to one, which both of us loved. We thought that was a hell of a play. And then he was serving for the third set. It was one, one. So it was a huge set. He's serving at 40 love at five, four and loses the next five points and then loses in the breaker, and then loses in five, which is also brutal because if he won that third set, he's probably winning the match. We lost the two series long shots. Uh, yeah, you have any regrets there or no? Because they both made a decent run, but just unfortunately couldn't do enough to get over the hump, so to speak. No, I don't reg- I don't regret it. We're, we were talking long shots there. We, we discussed what... Time and time again, that we think in these grand slams, those these top guys are the ones that are going to win. So, I mean, for that kind of stuff, we I, we were just discussing long shots there. So, I don't regret it at all. Tommy Paul losing to Casper Ruud in five. Diego Schwartzman made a decent run, and so it's what I could expect from them. But th- these are long shots we're talking about, and guys that we went out on the limb for thirty-three to one, just you know to have a long shot in the running so i i don't i don't regret it at all especially when we talk about who we did say we think are going to win the tournament and they're still playing they're yeah. still in the tournament um and i i mentioned uh yannick center to win the quarter and he's still playing he's playing right now against nakashima he's down a set but um he's looking okay i saw i gave the break back he did give the break back, but uh it's 15 30 and nakashima sir 15 40 um so uh, center definitely still has a shot and we, what we believed uh, for the actual winning of the tournament is still alive. So yeah, I, it. I, I was pretty chalky. I mean, I said straight up, I think Medved is playing the doll in the final and so far neither has looked that, that vulnerable. Nadal had a couple of moments there against Fognini, but he, he got back on track easily and he won in straight sets against uh, Gasquet. Gasquet next time he gets matched up against Nadal should just not show up. He's 0 and 18. Just stay home, you know, (laughs) order some room service, you know, watch a movie or something. You're 0 and 18. Like, just don't don't even bother. You're just wasting your time. But either way, before we actually get into our first break, I do want to recap how I did on the third round plays. I ended up doing in the solo pod. I lost on the lock with Murray, my least favorite tennis player of all time. I tried to make a stance there. Because Berrettini looked vulnerable against Grenier, and I thought I thought that Murray could do enough in the returning to at least force Berrettini's backhand into making some big shots. But Murray's serve was just not consistent enough, and he went to four sets. I was right about Murray winning a set. The only problem was there was one tiebreaker in the match, and that was the one set that Murray won. So he did not cover the spread in that one. He ended up losing. And then I ended up winning the dog, though. So I ended up technically making money on the last pod. I had a two-pick parlay in overs. I had the over three and a half sets in the Paul Rude match, which was very easy. Uh, Each player won uh, uh, a set in the first two sets. So it was already over quickly. And then I also had the over three and a half in the Diminor and Busta match, which did not look easy because Busta won the first two sets 6-1, 6-1. And he thought he was losing his damn mind. But then Diminor came back, won the third, and we cashed that plus 110. So technically profitable, but I basically split every single podcast that I've had so far with the lock and dog. We'll go for the sweeps here together. But before we actually get into... Before we go go on break, just a little local trivia. Who is the person I hate the most? In tennis, not Kyrgios. I was going to say, Kyrgios, I think I think you warmed up to Kyrgios a little bit because he started trying a bit more. Same play. He's playing better. But who? It, what's your call? What do you think of the person I hate the most um, 
He's played on tour in history. So random call. I've known you for a long time. So I'm trying to think of anybody that you might have potentially roasted in the past. We'll start off with the basic question. I'm assuming he's still an active player. Um, he could be, he could not be, but I'll give you the hint that he is. Okay. <laughs> is it Benoit Pair? No, it's not. It's Fernando Verdasco. Okay. I, I, Verdasco is still around. He uh, was actually in, he was in the main draw. He lost to Quan yeah. in yeah. four. I yeah. actually remember that you, I, I remember, hate that guy. I remember you always disliked Verdasco, but I thought maybe he was so irrelevant recently. You just didn't care. I thought Pear was a great guess. There's no one I hate really in the tour as much as I hate Fredasco, besides Curious. And the but only reason why you hated local him, trivia. The only reason why you hated him is because you backed him like five times in a row like three years ago and he failed you every time and you just decided he's dead to you. That was like four or five years ago. Not only did I back Nobody him five times it. in a row, then he then he hurt me real bad five times in a row, but then I went against him and then he would beat me. That's right. So. You just couldn't figure <laughs> him out. You just couldn't figure him out. I actually do remember that, but I thought Benoit, Benoit Pair has got to be in like your top five most hated. I mean, I just don't think he's a great player and I think he quits a lot, but that's I, the I mean, point. That's why yeah, I, mentioned I don't it. hate him specifically because of my own vendetta against him, like Fredasco. That's fair, but I figured with the quitting, that's why you kind of hate Curios because he has the outbursts and he doesn't always try and pairs that's... like the master, the extremist in that case. So I figured pair was a good guess, but either way, I love pair. I've been fading him for a long time. That's why I don't mind him. I've recognized his madness. That's the difference. Yeah. Uh, I made a fortune in the first round betting on Nori to break him every single service game. It was fantastic. The two, two separate six, zero sets. It was unbelievable. But anyway, uh, we're going to get into the actual breakdown for the fourth round. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Thinking of joining WinBet? Now is the perfect time because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting on baseball, then you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice on baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Win also just released their first quarterback with five touchdowns prop bet. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best line available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because Odds Trader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different signup codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire, oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. The free roll football contests are here. College football contests, $1,500 up for grabs. And the NFL contest, $5,000 and a two-night stay at Win Las Vegas up for grabs. Sign exclusively in our Discord, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. And welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. For one on break, we recapped quickly what we've noticed in the tournament so far. I gave Sam a brief opportunity to roast Tsitsipas because he did not get to do it on the last pod. And then we went into some of the takeaways from the early rounds, potentially who underperformed, as well as who's looked sharp in the quarters up to this point. But before we actually get into the men's uh, fourth round, I did forget that I was going to talk about one thing. It's a pretty important thing, and it does not actually involve men's tennis. It does involve women's tennis, but it was probably the most important storyline of the entire weekend and Serena Williams we can assume her career in singles is officially over she has not officially officially retired 
but she suggested strongly that it's her final ever it's her final tournament. She started crying during the post match interview, and yeah, she basically said she's thrilled to just be hanging out with her kids now, which is nice. But she had a very thrilling match on Friday night where she lost in three sets. She also lost over the weekend in doubles with. Uh, it wasn't over the weekend. I believe that was actually Thursday. She lost with Venus in doubles in straight sets. But Sam, I know you were watching her match uh, previously against the number two ranked player, which Serena actually won. Do you have any overall takeaways for Serena? Because I feel like overall for a tournament run, she went out admirably. She didn't embarrass herself. She looked pretty good, but eventually she ran out of gas. Yeah, no, I watched all those matches with Serena in there, and she, she put up a good performance. Uh, you know, a lot of people were saying that she was going to even lose in the first round and was taking that big price against that um, against that woman in the first round. I forgot exactly. Well, Kovinich, what her name Kovinich was. is just a bad player. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and then a lot of people thought um, that she was going to lose in the second round, and then she was able to pull through. And you know, she had the stamina to pull through, which was the most important part because it went three against Kontovit. And you know, she played a good match on Friday. She really, she really did, and it, it was pretty impressive and the crowd was really what i was watching for besides serena because it was loud on every single point it was an atmosphere that i just turned up the sound bar and just enjoyed and pretended that i was at the u.s open for a second but yeah no she she played pretty well and uh there's there was points in, in that match where I actually thought that Serena could pull through, especially after she won the tie break, a little momentum. But right, like like you said, she ran out of gas there, and Tomljanovic was able to take it home. Uh, speaking of randomly Tomljanovic, I was watching the interview, and she sounds like an American. She sounds straight American, but she lives in Australia. I don't know if she went to school in America, but she sounds like she has an American accent. There's no accents from any other place that sounds like it, it was it was kind of interesting. I don't know. I know that they were doing an interview with her as well. I was a bit annoyed at the time because I was trying to watch the second set of the Tiafo Schwartzman match, and I don't know why they can't split screen the interview with the actual matches taking place. I don't know why that's not a thing. It was just a press conference interview? Uh, it was the classic uh, studio where they have like three talking heads and they bring on a random player and they talk to the mm -hmm. person while matches are going on, but mm -hmm. they don't show you any of the matches while they're talking to the person. So I don't know why they can't just split screen it. But either way, uh, she did a great job. Anytime you lose a really competitive breaker and you get broken in the first game of the third set with the entire crowd against you and you win the final six games, like she completely destroyed Serena after getting broken. The last game was crazy. Serena fought mm -hmm. off five match points, and then she ended up losing the match anyway. But I do want to at least give one brief rant. The crowd was very, very great in terms of energy. The endless applause for double faults and for faulting is extremely Bush League. I'm just going to say it. I think it's extremely overboard. And Contavite was crying in the post-match in her loss because of the crowd and how it made her uncomfortable. Now, you can argue that she should suck it up and deal with it. Whatever. The point is, agree to disagree on certain things. Anytime you're going to applaud the opponent for double faulting and for faulting and stuff, I think we can pump the brakes. You're booing automated line calls that are in, and you're trying to boo the other player. Like At some point, you draw the line. But the crowd overall, the atmosphere was great. Is that a fair compromise? Yeah, there was a uh, point against the, in the Kontovit match where Kontovit basically hit it in by like a real, real it small it hit margin. The line and they're booing the crap out of her. Yeah, it's like, what do you want her to do? Her. And then Serena was just saying to the crowd, like, don't do that. No, uh, this is not what it's about. So props to her for, you know, seeing what the moment was really about and, you know, showing the fans that that you shouldn't really be booing another player even though the player hit it in it, it just it, it didn't make sense to boo there you're, you're booing really the the uh the replay which doesn't make any sense so yeah but I just, williams to really to realize the certain scenario i just brought up the crowd because i've been at the u.s open before the crowd atmosphere is great i don't think it's ever been that great with serena's match because that was absolutely nuts but i do want to at least point out though there is some form of tennis etiquette when you're at the actual event 
and the double faulting cheers for me kind of crossed an unwritten rule in my book. And I'm really anti-unwritten rules when it comes to baseball, for example, and other sports, because if it was an important rule, you should write the damn thing down. But it's one thing to cheer Serena. You don't have to completely belittle her opponents and turn them into nothing. You know, I feel you can enjoy both players and respect both players. Just cheer for one of them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I looked at it. But either way, Serena gave it a good run. Venus, I believe, is now concentrating solely on doubles. She didn't officially retire. Uh, To be honest, she should have about a year and a half ago, but she's still hanging in there. Uh, Besides that, though, time to pivot over to the men's side. I know there's still a couple of matches going on, but we do have some quarter odds and some updated winner odds, which I find kind of weird because there are some matches going on and usually they kind of close the markets. But I only have the first and second quarters out. Uh, Starting off with the first quarter, Medvedev went from pre-tournament plus 100 to minus 140. So yeah, a lot of line movement there on on Medvedev. Just kidding. Uh, You have Kyrgios now at 2-1. to You have Karenia Busta at 6-1. to I recommended him at 12 to 1 when the tournament started. And you have Kakanov at 16 to 1. We're going to get into some of these matches, but I'm just going to ask you based on the prices, where do you think the value lies? Um, it's either with Medvedev or Curios, in my opinion. I don't think any of those, uh, Karina Busta or Kakanov, is going to be able to overcome the strengths of Medvedev or Curios. Even though they play each other. I'm yeah, surprised, even I'm surprised right. you're so not trying one to. Of them. I'm saying I'm surprised, I'm surprised you're not trying to use the well. These two guys are going to kill each other, so I'll take the people on the other side of the bracket. No, I just don't see them pulling through. I mean, if you want to go Kakanov sixteen to one and then hedge, I guess you might have an opportunity. I don't really know what the odds would be there. It depends on who he plays, I guess. But I don't see either one of those guys pulling through when you have Medvedev and Kyrgios on the other side. So um, I would understand a bet on either one of them. I would stay away because I actually think this is going to be a very tough match for both these guys. Um, but I only see one of those two guys being able to win that quarter. Okay. And of course I'm still a little bit biased with Busta cause I already got him at 12 to one. And I also reminder have him at 200 to one to win the tournament. And I believe he's down to 30 to one. So I got a chip in a chair in poker terms and I'm trying to see how far it takes me. But so far, so good. You know, he's had a really tough schedule up to this point, and he's gone four every time, and he's won. So props to Busta. He's dug deep, and I'm hoping he beats Kakanov. But if I had to pick one guy based on the value, it probably would be Kyrgios if I was taking any plus price guy, just because he just beat Medvedev, and we've seen Medvedev have serious problems against serving volleyers, and we saw Tsitsipas even adapted that strategy and beat him. And I do think that could be the main focus of Kyrgios in this match. Uh, Medvedev was not able to break him in that three-setter a while back. Do you think that Medvedev's going to win the match, actually, or are you picking Kyrgios? Uh, It's going to be a close one. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very tough match for each one of these guys. What I think is a very important factor is we mentioned in the first podcast for the U.S. Open, Kyrgios' mindset going into this, but he's still alive in the doubles uh, double side of things with with uh, Kokonakis. So I think uh, as long as he's with his boy still, he's going to keep on playing no matter what because he's already there. So he's going to keep on going. So I'm actually going to go with Kyrgios here. I think he's going to be able to uh, do the serve and volley routine and be able to take over the match. Um, and I think it's, like I said before, very important that he's, he's still in for doubles because we know his mentality uh, or higher percentage or chance that his mentality is going to be still in the game and still be on winning and he got this far so i think he's going to be able to pull through and uh and be medvedev uh now how far do i think curious is going to go is another question um we could i guess we talk about if we're talking about winners of the tournament yeah we'll get we'll get into that in a second but i do want to talk about the second quarter for a second then we'll kind of pivot over Yep. Uh, you have Berrettini and Root as co-favorites. They're both plus 120. Then you have Davidovich Fakina at plus 550. And then Mutet, props to Mutet for making it this far, at 11-1. to 1. To go through those actual matchups, Berrettini's playing against Fakina and Root's playing against Mautet. Who are you going with in this quarter? I recommended Berrettini at plus 150 before the Murray match. I'm sticking with it. And what are you going with this one? Or where are you going with uh, this one? I'm going to go with Root. Um... 
Not in terms of value. I just think he's going to be the one that pulls through out of this quarter. He has the matchup against Mutet uh, in the next round, which shouldn't be too difficult for him. Uh, he, he is at a plus 120, so that's actually not bad when you compare it to the other favorite here, Berrettini, at plus 120. He's going to be either playing Davidovich, Rokina, and Berrettini. Uh, I think he probably is going to be playing Berrettini, but I think from what I've seen in in his form, Berrettini's form recently, I'm not so impressed. I, I'm 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 a little hesitant to be fully on the Berrettini bandwagon uh, when he didn't show such a great performance against um, who was it, a Grenier? Yeah. So uh, he went a couple breakers with him. He he was really struggling at times. Even hit a first serve in. So I'm gonna go with Root to win this to win this quarter. Yeah, I went with Berrettini because I just figured at some point he'd be able to put it all together. And I thought he actually looked really good against Murray. He had a couple opportunities there to break and win it in straight sets and then eventually had to win it in four. But against Murray, physically, I thought he held up extremely well, especially since you're looking at the match time. It was three hours and 48 minutes. It was a long match. And Berrettini had 18 aces. He had one double fault. Murray's a good returner still, despite all the injuries, and he won 74% of his first serve points. Second serve points were 51%, which is okay, not great for whatever. But he also really got deep into Murray's service games, and Murray ended up saving 10 out of 15 breakpoint chances, but that means Berrettini still had 15 breakpoint chances. And Rude is not exactly a good server by any means, I'm going to go with Berrettini. I think the favorites are going to win. I don't expect Davidovich Fakina or uh, Mutet to upset any of these two guys. So I'm expecting to see chalk. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'll go with Berrettini in probably a competitive four or five setter. But to pivot over to the actual uh, winner, uh, you have Medvedev at plus 175. This is for the entire tournament. Nadal at three to one. Alcaraz at four to one, Kyrgios at six to one, Berrettini fourteen to one, Sinner at eighteen to one. That's a mid match. So if Sinner wins, he'll probably drop down to like twelve to one. Uh, Rude at twenty two to one. You get the idea. So first of all, since you think Kyrgios either has a great chance to beat Medvedev or beats Medvedev, are you taking Kyrgios at six to one? Yep. That's uh, that's what I think. I, that's what I'm going for. I think if I could find that top side of the bracket prop, I would easily take that. Um, I think Nadal Nadal's heavily struggling with his service games, and he just doesn't look as crisp. Double a lot of times. As well. His double faults, his unforced errors are really. It, it's just not. It's, it's not full form, to say the least. So I love the top side of the bracket. I think whoever comes out of that first quarter is going to win the tournaments because of his serving, Nadal's serving. If he can't hold serve, he's, he's not going to be able to win them the finals. He's just not. You have to hold serve to be able to win matches, um, not including matches in the first, second, third rounds. But once you get the deeper into the tournament, you have to hold serve to be able to win matches. And Nadal's doesn't look like he's able to do it. And if Kyrgios is able to pull through against Medvedev, only at a plus 145, by the way, in that match, I think he's going to be able to win this entire tournament. I think if he plays Rude or Berrettini, he'll be able to take it. And um, then he'll have to play whatever's on the bottom side of the bracket. Alcaraz and Nadal will go after each other. And that should be a great match if it's not maybe Nori. But um, I think whoever's on that top side, whoever wins that first quarter is going to take it. And I'm picking Kyrgios. So Kyrgios plus 600. Uh, I might be a little uh, looking to my dog, but yeah, I, I think Kyrgios definitely has a good opportunity. The issue is, or it's either an issue or it's a good thing if you're betting on a future and you're most worried about the immediate match after, because once you get through this, it's, you're kind of home free, if you know what I mean, instead of having to wait for a buildup for the final match just to potentially lose. Mm-hmm. But for the finals or for winning, I picked Nadal pre-tournament solely because I thought his quarter was offensively easy. It was one of the easiest quarters I've seen in a long time. And Nadal has not looked great up to this point. You could argue, well, he destroyed Gasquet. And let me just go through the three rounds. First round, he plays basically a no-name and drops the first set, wins in four. Second round, he plays a post-prime Fognini, gets his ass kicked in the first round, He's getting his ass kicked in the second round. 
And the, and the second set, I mean. In the first set, he got he got destroyed. Second set, he was getting his ass kicked. And then Fognini's level dropped off a cliff, and Nadal came back from behind. And then he faced off against a post-prime Gasquet, who he's owned 17 to nothing in his career leading up to the match, and he destroyed him. So Nadal hasn't played anybody. That's what I'm trying to say. So I'm not going to fully overreact to Nadal being amazing. I'm concerned. Because the actual serve, as you said, has been very, very vulnerable. He's been dropping service games a lot. And if he faces off against Medvedev or Kyrgios or honestly, even Alcaraz. Alcaraz's serve has been much improved recently. We know Sinner can be a pretty good server. We know Berrettini's a great server. Nadal would probably beat him anyway because he would just hit it to the backhand the entire match. But you get my point. The point is... Listen, you mentioned Nori, and um, I was saying that I was against him, but th- you could throw Nori's name out there also. Uh, to win the tournament, no. Nori no, can't to, be, to play Nadal, to beat Nadal. That's what I had. I, I have I right. had Nori. I picked that solely because I think Nori could give a below 90% health, maybe 80% health Nadal a run for his money. Right. And that was my logic behind it. To win the tournament, though, Nori can't serve for crap either, so he's, not, he's never going to win a Grand Slam. But... That's why I'm not taking Nori 22 to one. If I was picking anybody, ah, uh, I get the I get the values on Kyrgios because if he gets past Medvedev, he should be Karenyabusta or Kakanov, and then you're looking at most likely. I'm trying. Who would he most likely be playing against in the uh, semis? Brood or Berrettini? I think Kyrgios is favored in that match. Yeah, he would be. So if you want to go value, I, I understand it. I think it makes a lot of sense with Kyrgios. And I know that goes against what I said pre-tournament. I thought Kyrgios had value before his quotes concerned me, but it seems like his head's in the right place. And he's always really sharp. He's dominated against everybody. I know he dropped a set against uh, Bonzi in the second round, but he was kind of coasting before that. I don't think he had a, a small lapse in focus, but then he killed Wolf in the round after. Yeah, but looking at the actual bracket, Kyrgios probably is favored against Berrettini, and he's probably favored against Rude, so I can kind of understand the 6-1 to one angle. Uh, Nori, I mentioned earlier, I don't think he's going to win a Grand Slam because he can't serve, but he can give Nadal a run for his money. I do want to ask you, though, assuming that Nadal does make it out of his quarter, and you have the older Nadal versus the younger version that everyone wants him to be in Alcaraz, who would you actually pick in that tournament, in that matchup? Because Nadal's clearly well below 100% right now. He's probably yeah. at like 70. If we're just taking both players, moving them on to the finals right now, I would highly, highly consider Alcaraz, and I would probably take Alcaraz because of Nadal serving. It's just been on such a poor level. Uh, that I think Alcaraz will be able would be able to take advantage of it, and if you're not able to serve, like I said before, you're not going to be able to win tournaments. And when you play a guy like Alcaraz, who has he hasn't been able to win big tor- tournaments either, but um, when you're not able to serve, and the way that Nadal is serving, I, I like I would like Alcaraz to move on past that. But we'll see if it even gets there. If Sinner has to play Alcaraz or Alcaraz has to play Sinner. You never know with that matchup. And Nori playing Nadal maybe after um, the next round. We'll see what happens there. But if he has to play there, Nori has a good shot to beat Nadal also. So we'll have to see. Yeah, if you want my... I can't call it a hot take because they're both really good players. I know Sinner's own the head-to-head. I think Alcaraz is going to beat Sinner relatively comfortably in the U.S. Open if they match up. It's solely because of stamina for me. Sinner's dropped too many sets. We talked about it going into the tournament and how it was very important for the later rounds to really breeze through your first-round matchups, to make sure you can serve energy. We mentioned how why that played Djokovic in the final against Medvedev, why Medvedev had the opposite situation where he only dropped one set, and he was completely fresh physically for the final. Sinners dropped so many sets in this tournament already, going five sets against Altmaier in the first round. He dropped at least one set to... Uh, not Nakashima, yeah, to no. Nakashima right now. He might drop more. They're still in the middle of the match. And Alcaraz has played, what, two and a half matches because Baez retired in the first round? Mm-hmm. I think the actual energy differential is going to get Alcaraz over the top. And even though Sinner is kind of his boogeyman right now, I actually think Alcaraz will beat him pretty comfortably. 
That's a fair. It's it's very fair. I think that it's really a coin flip. Uh, I think that center has maybe a slight edge. It won't be like that in the betting betting market though. But I think just because of historically, I think center might have that slight edge when you're just playing those two players to, uh, against each other. But in this tournament, with the circumstances and variables, I can 100 percent understand where you're coming from. Yeah, but if we're talking about if we're talking about to reach the final or quarter odds that are not officially up yet or uh, you know, for quarters three and four, I think Alcaraz is going to make the semis. And I know that I roasted him pre-tournament. Once again, I don't think it's complete roasting. I think it's fair criticism when people proclaim you as the next tennis god and you have nothing to show for it. But he's looked great. And I'm trying to see what other matchups he really has in the region. He plays against Chilich in the next round, but Alcaraz beat Chilich a a little while ago. In fact, he actually destroyed him in straight sets. I think Alcaraz will beat Chilich there. And then he faced off against either Sinner or Avashka. But Sinner beat Eubanks. Eubanks isn't very good. Uh, he was down actually a break in the second set before breaking back. But the five-setter against Altmaier, dropping at least one set here against Nakashima. I think Avashka could take a set off him, maybe two. Mm-hmm. I just think that the stamina differential is going to be huge. And I think Alcaraz will probably beat Chilich in three or four because we just saw them play, and Alcaraz beat the crap out of them. Right. So. I completely understand Alcaraz will be way more fresh. I don't even know if center will get past Nakashima right now, so we have to see. But going into quarter four, which has been finalized, you have Nori against Rublev and Tiafo against Nadal. Well, I think it's a good play is just Nori straight up against Rublev. Rublev had a extremely tough match against Shapovalov today where he actually came back. I didn't think he had it in him. Um, I was happy to see that he did was able to come back in Shapovalov and take that fifth set tiebreaker away from him. But uh, Nori is way more fresh at this point. He hasn't dropped the set, and he's only minus 170 on that money line against Rublev. He's also uh, more consistent. You know Rublev's going to spray the ball over the court. Absolutely. And then you have Nadal versus Tiafo. Um, I don't see that line out yet, but um, that's one that we're just going to have to see. That might be a tough matchup for Nadal, too, but we're going to we'll have to see about that. I'll tell you what, though, if you want to go for a flyer there, I don't think there's odds on it. Tiafo to win the first set. We've first seen set. we've seen Nadal get off to really slow starts in some of these matches. I think Tiafo, the crowd will be interesting because you have the American against one of the greatest players of all time. Tiafo, we know, might fade down the stretch, and I'm sure Nadal's going to wear him down eventually. For the first 40, 50 minutes, Tiafo can hold serve. We know Nadal's yeah. been struggling. I think Tiafo could steal the first set. Yeah, I, could, I, I definitely understand that. It all depends on the odds that you'd be getting on that, of course, but I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And then, um, but all together in that quarter, I, I, if they come out with quarter odds by the morning, uh, Nori to win the quarter, depending on the odds, of course. Not a bad play at all, in my opinion. Well, once again, I gave that out pre-tournament, so I can't. Uh, I'm not going to double down. I was down against it, now. it, and now I'm for it. Well, yeah, you meant you mentioned the pre-Grand Slam or the previous ones. I just think Nori has evolved as a player, and I kind of threw them all out the window. He's just so consistent, and the problem is his serve is too weak. That's gonna that's his main Achilles heel. That's why he's not going to beat the top guys, but it's why he can beat basically everybody else. It's because he's not going to beat himself, and I do think that's really what you need in three out of five matches, you just try to stay fit. You try to stay sharp and you let the other person's level fall off a cliff. And that's what Nori's been doing. So that's worked for him. But anything else you want to add before we get into the lock and dog or should we just move on? Should we talk about just the odds for each matchup? Just real quickly, I'll go through them from what we have. We have Medvedev versus Kyrgios, almost Pretty close, actually. Medvedev minus 180, Kyrgios plus 145, a little juice there. But uh, that's a pretty close matchup, so that could go either way. Then you have um, the... Ber- no, not Berrettini. You can go in any you order you want. Karina Busta yeah. minus 235 against Kakanov. Um, I think Karina Busta's a better player at the moment. I think Kakanov's very... Way more volatile. I think Karina Busta will come out of that one. Kakanov got gifted a spot as well because I think Draper would have won the match before he got hurt. But that's a separate story. And then uh, we have Berrettini minus 270 against Fokina. We both believe that Berrettini is going to move on past him. Rude versus Mutet. Um, Rude minus 525. That's a heavy, heavy favorite there. And, uh, you know, it's for good reason. Uh, Mutet's not really the greatest heart, greatest 
player just in general. Uh, he's a good player. He's just not on that level. He's unfortunately so crafty. Let's put it that way. He 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 throws in some lob shots, some drop shots. He's he tries to be unorthodox. That's kind of how he tries to get by. But we know Root is by far the much more talented player. Right, right, absolutely. And then going to the bottom side of the um, of the bracket here, there's I only see one matchup right now, and that's the Nori versus Rublev. And Nori at minus one seventy, even taking a spread on that one might be a good play. But um, that one will be on two Monday, so uh, that one is not going to be tomorrow like the rest of them. The rest of them that I mentioned, the first two bra- two quarters are going to be t- tomorrow, uh, while the other. Nori versus Rublev will be on Monday, but I think uh, Cameron Nori there at minus 170, you're even taking a spread. What's the spread? Great question. The answer is two and a half. Two and a half Nori minus 120. Oh, that's a good deal. Not bad. That's not bad. But uh, of course, we're a little bit limited because there are still matches going on. So we don't have an Adal line in his match against Tiafo. We don't have a Chilich match against Alcaraz line. We don't have a Vashka against potentially Sinner or Nakashima. So we're a little bit shorthanded, but we're going to make it work and we're still going to move on. But uh, since we covered all the lines, you ready to move on? Let's go. Cool. So before we actually get into the Lock and Dog segment, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. For all you sports bettors out there, I want to tell you about the best new way to increase your bankroll. It's called Promo Guy. US. At promoguy.us, you can get the biggest bonuses from all the best sports books in the country. We're talking $1,000 risk-free deposits, insane odds boosts, and most importantly, the best analytics in the business, plus tons of free picks as well. Promoguy.us is your guide to betting smart. Once again, that's promoguy.us. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. And they also just passed 4 million users. And now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And with the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friends' picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group at uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com com slash SGP and sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash SGP and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun, from Pick'em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our official SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. Hop in now to reserve your spot, $500 cash, plus a $250 gift certificate to the SGPN store to the winner. Sign up today over at play.runyourpool.com slash SGPN. That's play.runyourpool.com slash SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We just finished going through the updated outrights for both the quarters and for the overall tournament winner. Now it's time to get into the actual plays for the individual matches of the fourth round of the U.S. Open. Sam, I'm going to let you go first in the lock and dog set. So for my lock, um, we discussed it very briefly at the end of our last segment, but it's going to be Cameron Nori at the minus two and a half versus Rublev. Uh, Rublev had a very, very tough match against Shapovalov. I mean, really, really, really 
real nail nail biter there. It went he's, the max. He's going to be yeah, it went absolute maximum. Um he's gonna be a little he's gonna be way more fatigued than Nori. Nori's coming out fresh. If Rublev's not gonna be able to hold his serve, it's gonna be an easy Nori win here. And Nori at minus two and a half where he hasn't dropped a set in this entire tournament, I think is a great deal. Minus two and a half, minus 120 is going to be my lock. That will be on Monday, though. Okay. And what about your dog? My dog is going to get juicy. And it's going to be, I, we, we talked about this one earlier as well, Kyrgios to win the entire tournament, plus 600. I've talked about many times how I don't like him, and I'm putting that aside because this is betting and this is not, feeling time so plus 600 i think is a tremendous deal for how he's going to end up with this with the um draws here um unfortunately does play medvedev but he's the very very tough matchup for medvedev he actually beat medvedev just beat him a, uh, in a couple tournaments ago uh and if he's able to get his serving volley going and his mentality is there which i think it will be because he's with kokonakis still that's another added factor and because he's got this far why not keep going to win the u.s open at this point i think he will be there if he beats medvedev i think he'll easily move on and he should easily beat ruder berrettini and that brings him to the final where you have a other bottom side of the oh i has hey, wait wait ruder uh, well, first he'd face off against Busta or, and then he'd... But, yeah, yeah, no problem. I okay, said no cool. problem against okay. Busta or yeah, I missed Kakanov, that. Okay. I missed that part. Okay. And then I think he'll have no problem beating Berrettini or Rude, which would bring him to the final where the yeah, bottom yeah. side of the bracket just, mm. you know, destroys themselves. Alcaraz, Rissendal, whatever it may be, it's going to be tough matches. But either way, Curios, I think, will be the most talented player um, left. And I think at plus 600. It's really just him beating Medvedev at plus 145 and then him winning the final. So I think it's a good deal. And I'm going to take as my dog a big one plus 600 curious. Yeah, I think the value is definitely there. Uh, I feel like if you want to play it safer, you could potentially take him to win the quarter. But that doesn't make any sense. Be the point. Yeah, uh, no point. Well, I was going to say it doesn't make any sense for two reasons. One, because you're getting great odds at six to one. And there's no guarantee the doll is going to make it there. Two, if he's plus 145 to actually win his next match, and he's probably like minus 300 against Busta or CAC or, you know, like whatever the price is going to be. Isn't that two pick parlay just going to be a lot bigger than two to one? It's going to be like 250, isn't it? Plus 145 and the plus, uh, then minus 300. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I want to actually uh, see quickly what that would be, but. If he gets minus 300, I think it would be um, a little bit better than the plus 200 for sure. Um, if he gets more of a minus 450, minus 500, it might be close. I, I still think it'd be a little bit better than plus 200, but okay. just slightly. So plus 145 mixed with a minus 305. That two picks plus 225. Right. So there's no point in taking him to win the quarter. That's that's basically what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. But it's actually kind of funny you mentioned those two players because we actually have the same players, but different plays for the lock and dog segment. Starting off with the lock, it's going to be the same exact match, the Medvedev and Kyrgios match. I'm not going to overthink this. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over 40 and a half games at minus 130. Um, not sure if there's a better line out there. I'm sure there is, but I'm going to take the over in games. Simply put, I expect at least one tie break, maybe two. If you want to go based on current form in this tournament, you can definitely make the case Medvedev and Kyrgios have been the two sharpest players. Maybe Alcaraz, you can argue somewhere in between. But Medvedev and Kyrgios have been really just unstoppable up to this point. And I do think they're both going to have their moments as a result. I think you're going to see a very competitive match. We saw a tiebreak in the first set of the last meeting that they had. We've seen a lot of very competitive sets between them. We expect the worst-case scenario, you get broken a maximum of one time in a set because both these guys are very good at serving. I think you're going to see a bunch of really long sets, maybe a couple breakers, maybe even a 7-5 in there. Give me the over 40.5 because if you end up getting a 7-6 mixed with a potential another 7-5 or two tie breaks, you're basically home free. I just think that this game number seems high. It's really not. I expect these two very, very competitive and somewhat evenly matched players to play like it. And I think you're going to see a bunch of games. I'm going to go with the over 40 and a half. 
Yeah, I definitely see a tiebreak mixed in there, which is very favorable as long as it goes four sets, which I definitely think it will. And for my dog, you mentioned Nori against Rublev, and I'm actually going to go to the exact same match. However, you mentioned the spread at two and a half. I'm going to go a little bit beyond that. I'm going to take Nori minus three and a half at even money. And I think that that alternative spread, I kind of wish it was a little bit of plus money instead of even money, but I'm still going to take it. Everything you mentioned and more, it's just the fact that Rublev should be totally gassed. We know that he's been streaky. He went five sets in the first round, and then he had a pretty easy match against, you know, he, he did okay in the middle rounds, but then he ended up having to go to the absolute distance against Chapo. Nori's been coasting in every match he's been in. They also played on hard court last year, and Nori did win that one in three sets. I just think Rublev's going to run out of gas. And when you go five sets against Dejir and five sets against Chapo, and your other guy's been on the court about two and a half, three hours less time than you have, I think Nori's going to wear him down. I think Rublev's going to be incredibly flat for Monday's match. I don't maybe mind Nori minus one and a half sets. I think he might win in three or four. But the point is, I think three and a half games is too low, especially at plus money, because Rublev should look significantly gassed after the first or second set. I absolutely agree. No, I agree. I'm with you 100%. Yep. So that's going to do it for the lock and dog segment. Uh, Sam, anything else you want to add? I know that Sinner is now officially up a break in the third set. Are you uh, are you agreeing with me that the winner of the Medvedev Kyrgios match is going to win the tournament? Before the tournament, I said I had Nadal, but now I have to reconsider. Uh, I'm still picking Medvedev to win. By the way, I, I think Kyrgios has the value at six to one. I just think three out of five. I think Medvedev has more mental resolve, and I think, think it's what? Yep. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. I think that it's definitely a good sign for Kyrgios that he just beat him because mentally he knows he can handle it. But Medvedev, I wonder if he's going to actually stand closer to the damn court this time instead of just getting his ass kicked by serving volley for three hours. But Kyrgios, it's a lot easier to beat somebody two out of three. We know Medvedev has gone to the brink. He's lost 7-5 in two separate Grand Slam finals to Nadal. He's gone extreme lengths and I wonder at some point if it gets deep into a fourth or deep into a fifth, how badly is Kyrgios' level going to fall? And I know Medvedev's level is not because he's a wall. So I think Medvedev will find a way to win. If you want to go for a long shot, I don't mind Medvedev in five. I think you're going to see a marathon match, and I'll take one of the best stamina guys against one of the guys who might potentially snap when things go poorly, but I'll go with Medvedev. I'll lean Medvedev to win the match because I just think that three out of five is a different animal than two out of three. So you think Medvedev is going to win the tournament, but let's just say, hypothetically, Kyrgios wins this match. You think Kyrgios wins the tournament? I think the Berrettini match would be fascinating, but we disagree too because you think Rude's going to beat Berrettini. So I think Kyrgios would beat the crap out of Rude. Let's get that clear. I think Kyrgios mops him up three, four sets. I think that's just done. Berrettini would be very entertaining because both players would hold serve and you'd see about four tie breaks. And at that point, all bets are off because we know Kyrgios' tie break numbers are not very good. So I think that's going to be a tough match. I think you're probably right. I think if Kyrgios wins this match, he's probably going to the final. But if he goes to the final, how am I supposed to win my 200 to one bet on Karenga Busta? So the answer is here. If Kyrgios the answer wins, is I lose. That's so the problem. Sure. You're yeah. not so sure. I think Kyrgios, I think Kyrgios to make it to the final is a fair assumption. <laughs> you're dodging I, my question. You, you're going left. You're going, you're I'm dodging, dodging the question because I think dodging it. I think Alcaraz or Nadal would piss him off. So you're not you're not sure if if Kyrgios wins, you're not quite sold on him winning the tournament. I'm not quite sold okay. on, on him winning the tournament, okay. but I am 100% sold on the value at 6-1 to one for him to win the tournament. Gotcha. There's a distinction. But gotcha. until until Kyrgios actually wins a Grand Slam, why am I going to automatically assume he's going to win a Grand Slam? I just can't do it. I've seen too much. I'm traumatized. I got PTSD from all these other blow-ups he's had in like the quarters of the semis like five years ago. <laughs> I've had too much. I can't I, handle it. I understand but, that. I understand but, that. You know, he made the final at Wimbledon. So the fact that he's been there before, he's still hungry. He got a taste. He wants a bit more. 
And hopefully, for your sake, he ends up cashing at six to one. We're going to have another podcast or two before then anyway, so we'll see how that goes moving forward. But uh, since we basically covered all of the actual content, time for the final, final portion of the show. Sam, let the people know where they can find you. I'll be here. I'm, uh, I'm usually always here, depending on when the lines are out. But uh, yeah, you'll see me on this podcast or at Sam Jacob Tennis on Twitter. Okay, cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. R-E-I-C-H-E-O radio. Besides that, doing a bunch of stuff next week for football. I mean, college football was this past weekend. Unbelievable stuff, by the way. Top tier, never disappoints. NFL starts on Thursday. Uh, I know. Always disappoints. Well, you're you're not a big NFL guy, (laughs) which you shouldn't admit on this actual network because everyone on the network basically is obsessed with the NFL. I think college football is better than the NFL in terms of entertainment. I'm not afraid to admit that, but still, uh, fantasy football podcast. I know Terrell and I are doing the Thursday night games this year. We'll do a bunch of props. It should be a lot of fun. Also doing the NFL gambling podcast on Tuesdays. Not sure what it's going to be about yet, but I will be doing the Tuesday edition. So stay tuned for that. Got WNBA, got the playoffs done. Terrell and I made a podcast for game three a couple of days ago. So we're going to keep doing that for the rest of the tournament. We got more tennis going on. A lot of great stuff, but overall, A lot of bets. I'm sure a lot of you made over the weekend. Hopefully you made money on those. I'm sure a lot of you are still going to bet a lot more on Sunday. So good luck to all of you and all of your Sunday bets. Bye, everyone.